blue. Sweet. Can I have you guys stand um, for the scripture reading this morning? My name is Matthew. Um, so we're going to be reading all of Ephesians 5. Um, it starts, verse 1, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated, illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are waking us up, that this passage has the theme of waking us up to the, the reality of your realm, Lord, the reality of the Holy Spirit inside of us, that you, Lord, are here and you are waking us up. That's our prayer this morning. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So let me tell you a quick story of my first mission trip outside of the country. It was to Guatemala. We were in uh, near Guatemala City in this poor, poor, poor little village. Uh, grass huts is where people lived. People had rice and beans and tortillas, and that's about it. Uh, we went into the church and we did a, a, a VBS uh, thing with the kids. We learned Spanish songs. They taught us. They taught us Spanish songs. We taught them English songs. We did some art things. It was a wonderful week. And when we left, the church had a dirt floor. When we left, we mixed concrete out in the road with buckets and in the dirt. And we would bring it in and we we made a concrete floor. So when we left, it went from a, a dirt. Uh, ch floor church to a concrete floor church. And when we went to church on a Sunday, to t give you an idea of how poor this little village was, uh, a lady brought in uh, like a bunch of eggs. She had a basket of eggs and a bunch of eggs. She walked up uh, and, and during the offering, she put it near the altar. And I was like, why in the world, like, is she going to make omelets up there? Why, why is she bringing eggs? And another guy came in with chickens on like a little string, like a little leash of chickens in there. <laughs> like we're going around and the pastor came up and met them and they brought the chickens to the back. I was like, what in the world is that? And it's like, well, these people 
Uh, they don't have any money, so they have brought eggs and chicken. That's what they had. So they brought it to the Lord to give. And I was just like, wow, I was, I was blown away and thought about that image in the Bible where the, the, this widow brings a penny and she puts it in and Jesus makes a point to say, she has put in more than everyone else because she gave out of her poverty. So I saw poverty. For me, it was like seeing it and being very familiar with it for the first time in my life as a, as a college student, just seeing really poor people and really poor Christians. And my thought was just, God, where are you? Lord, like, where, why are you allowing these people, these wonderful people, to be in such poverty? Well, the last night of the trip, we stayed at a hotel, and I got up early the next morning and, and did a Bible study and was praying. And then just this thought and this burden for really poor people, the people that we had hung out with for a week and a half, thinking through, like, Lord, all they have to eat is rice and beans and tortillas. And, and all, you know, thinking about this lady, all she has to bring is eggs, and that's her offering to the Lord. And, Lord, where are you in all of this? And as I was praying and doing this Bible study, I looked over in the hotel room, and there was kind of just this stock image. Uh, like a hotel stock image of this, the scene of Guatemala, these ladies at a river dressed in their kind of Guatemalan colorful garb. And in the sky was Jesus, like his hands, he had nails in his hands and he was in the sky in this painting overlooking the city. And I was just like, wow, Lord, yes, that's that you are looking over these people and, and they are poor, but Lord, you are there and you are watching over them. It was just like I had woken up to the Spirit's works. Yes, Lord, you are watching over us all, and you are here. And later that day, I went, out, went to breakfast and came back up to the room and looked at the painting, and I did a double look, and I did a triple, and a quadruple look, and my, my friend, my roommate, was sitting on his bed, and he's like, what's going on? I was like, this painting, it's been here the whole time, right? He's like, yeah, it's just been here. It's like, it's the same painting, right? And he's like, yeah. And I, I said, where's Jesus? And he said, what? It's like, Jesus was in this painting. Like, I, I still, like, thinking back uh, at this event, at seeing this thing that the Lord had let me see, like, it, I, I still talk about it. It's like, I'm not really sure what exactly that was. Was it a vision? Seems like, because the painting did not have Jesus in it. I, I kept looking. It's like, how, like, I saw it. This morning, I saw Jesus in the painting looking over the scene, and I was just filled with, like, I have just been woken up to the Spirit's work, that, that Jesus is watching over his people. And that is the theme this morning, that, that we might wake up and see the Lord's work all around us and be encouraged this morning. So the sermon title this morning is, Wake Up, Rise from the Dead. This is in the passage that we just read. Paul says there's this saying, and it says, Wake up, rise from the dead. And the first point this morning is, Live the Resurrection live the resurrection. If we are going to live the resurrection, there are these things that Paul guides us through. He says, do this and do this and don't do that and don't do this, but do this and don't do that. He gives us a lot of rules. And me, as, as a pastor, uh, my sweet spot is not the rules, like preaching the rules to people and telling people the rules. That's just not my personality. That's not my sweet spot. I think about... Um, for years, I was the college pastor, uh, an associate college pastor for New Life, Maine, and we would go on these uh, mill fall retreats, which are just, I see a couple of people who have been on those things, and my role, I don't know how I got this role, but my role was 
presenting the rules for the weekend. So like, here's a bunch of college kids. Girls, don't go in guys' rooms. Guys, don't go in girls' rooms. No drugs, no alcohol. There's this set of rules. And somehow I got this role. And all I would do every year is make fun of the rules. And I would do it with a video. And I would, I would show like a video of guys in girls' rooms. And it was this reoccurring joke that they were sneaking into each other's rooms to play Twister. <laughs> And so we would, just all I did, I made fun of the rules. And so it's not my sweet spot to, to share rules with people. But these are not my words. And as we have chosen this passage in Ephesians, uh, this whole series, we're, we're looking at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Paul goes in and out of sharing rules, regulations, how we are to live. He says, don't do this, but do these things. And so we begin in verse 3. It says this, it says, um, among us, he, he's writing to the church, among us, among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And the world that we live in, 2017, is of course, we would all agree, it's, it's over-sexualized. There's, there's things that, that we shouldn't be seeing all over the place, and, and it's just the world that we live in. And Paul is also writing in a similar world. We have a time capsule, so to speak, of this ancient world in A.D. 79, right around the time Paul was writing. And we think Paul was writing from Rome when he wrote this letter of Ephesians. Uh, in, in central Italy, uh, in, in the year 79, they, they even say that it was August 24th at around 1 p.m., a volcano went off. It was Mount Vesuvius, and it covered several cities in ash. One of the most famous cities, the city of Pompeii, was covered in ash and fallout and just froze that town kind of as is with feet and feet of ash. It just hardened. And we have now, in a modern sense, we can go back and look at homes and pottery and artwork, and it was all over-sexualized images, uh, showing no restraint. And so Paul is writing to a culture much like ours. He's saying the world just is this way. It just is. And, but among us, there should not even be a hint of what is immoral, is sexually immoral. And he says, and even so, don't even let any impurity or in greed come over you because that is improper for the people of God. He goes on and say, and let there be no obscenity among you or even foolish talking or coarse joking. Those things are out of place. But he says, but rather be thankful and, and rather with thanksgiving use your words. For me, I remember a time in my life uh, when I was going to seminary, I was also working construction full time and I was around guys that just talked like construction workers. Maybe some of you are in scenarios like that. They would never, ever say any sentence without expletives. If they wanted a hammer, they would say, can you hand me that blankety-blankety-blank, blankety-blank? And I would say, what? <laughs> There's tools everywhere. It's like the blankety-blankety hammer, blankety-blankety-blank. And I was like, okay. And so I hand them the hammer. And they just, that's just the way they talked. They, they talked. They joked. Every time we sat down for a break, they would say, all right, have you guys heard the one about the, and then they would just let, just tell you the nastiest story they could possibly think of. And that's what I was, full-time work. That's what I did. And so I was also going to seminary and volunteering in the church. And but just being around it, like I started, it first started off with just like under my breath, like I would just under my breath just be, you know, cussing and talking like the guys. And then it started just coming out like around church. I would just let expletives fly and everyone would just look at me like, 
uh, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't say that in any, uh, any circumstance. And I just said it at church around these nice Christian people. And it was just this way. I just, I just couldn't help it. And I heard a message. It was around Thanksgiving uh, when we have turkeys and fall. And I heard this message about how giving thanks. It was basically a sermon about this, this verse right here. It said, if you want to get rid of uh, obscenity and foolish talk and coarse joking, those things are out of place, but rather be thankful. Just give thanks. And so I started trying that. I, I was woken up to the reality that, that it, when I give thanks to the Lord, instead of cursing, instead of thinking uh, thoughts and, and saying those things, if I used my mouth to be thankful, well, then that's, that's just what happened. I began, I kind of got out of that pit being thankful. Paul says that these things are idolatry. Idolatry is an admiration for something, uh, and, and Paul says, don't do these things. That's, that's idolatry, and that has no part in the kingdom of God, but rather wake up to the things of God. So we have in verse 8, let me read this for you. It talks about light and darkness. We sleep in the darkness, and when we wake up, we turn the lights on. If you want to wake up someone, you turn the lights on, and they become awake. So here's this theme uh, written for us in verse 8. For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of the dark, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but in everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Light reveals things. If we want to wake up in our lives, we would turn on the light. And so we're spiritually speaking here. If we want to spiritually wake up, we should spiritually turn on the light and let the Lord shine his light among us. In high school, I went to high school, I graduated in 1996, and a couple years before I graduated, there was a, a computer lab at my high school, and it was a wonderful thing. I mean, it was like the first stages, at least I know of, of the internet. We had a wonder, it was like 1993, 1994. Uh, it was right before Google, but there was something called web crawler, and you could search for things, and this computer lab was open during lunch hour, and it wasn't any particular teacher's room, so no teacher was in there, and we'd go in, and the lights were low, and the, the shades were closed, and it was just a dark room. And me and some friends went in there, but there was this video game that I was addicted to, and so I played. It was like the strategic thing where you built a base, and then you just had to attack other bases, and we played each other kind of over the, this primitive internet back in 1993. And <laughs> the computer lab was dark, and people began to find out that they could go in there and search for anything that they wanted to. So me and my friends were kind of doing our own thing, and we look around, and people are hiding their screens and looking at things that are the dark things of the Internet. And in the back was this couch, and on the other side of the couch, I kid you not, there was this gambling casino din that some of the kids had started. Um, and so there was money out, and there was dice being rolled, and people cheering, and people booing. And every day at lunchtime, it was like this den of robbers uh, in this high school computer lab. And the principal must have got wind of this. And so he comes in one day, and all he does, he doesn't yell, he doesn't scream, he doesn't even cross his arms. He just comes in, and he turns on the lights, and he stands there. And everyone just kind of, like, you see computers getting logged out and screens going down, and the people in the back just kind of putting dice and cards in their pockets. And people just walk out, and then the principal just left a sign 
on the light switch that said, keep on. And that's all it took. That, that was the end of this gambling den and nest of thieves. It, that's all it took, just the lights to come on. And I think in the same way, when Christ shines his light on us, we can see, like the, the light is shined on our lives and we are woken up to the reality that is really around us, that there's things of darkness and there's things of the light, and when the lights come on, then, then we are walking with the Lord and we are woken up. Point three is this, wake up to the life of the resurrection. Wake up to the life of the resurrection. Paul says, this is why it is said, and then he quotes something. We don't know where this quote comes from. It's not the Old Testament uh, exactly as it is written here. But Paul quotes maybe a song that was popular amongst the early church. He says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, sleeper. That's us. We, we are all at different times in our life sleeping through something. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is eschatology. When we study eschatology, we are studying the things of the end times. We are studying the afterlife. We are studying the goal of all creation. The goal of all creation is that when things are remade, that, that Christ will come back and Christ will, will raise from the dead all those who are living and are, have passed away, that on this earth it will be recreated, new heavens and a new earth, that the things of God, heaven will come down and we will be risen from the dead and that is the reality that, that we need to wake up to. And so sometimes Christians get into this habit of, uh, of just saying, oh, when we die, we go off you know, to, to heaven, and, and lots of Christians and even non, non-Christians have this very boring image of heaven that we're just sitting on the clouds and we're singing songs all day. Um, there's this famous line in Huckleberry Finn where he says, I don't care about heaven. I don't even want to go to heaven because all I can picture is just sitting on the clouds and singing all day. Well, I don't like singing and I don't like sitting around. And so he, little Huckleberry Finn wanted nothing to do with heaven. And that is not what Jesus talks about. He says there will be life an eternal life, and a resurrection, and we will have new bodies. And when we think about the things that are to come, we are then partnering with those things here on earth. It's like that analogy I gave on Easter. I had a very long climbing rope. They could probably go around this room a couple times. And I I said, we are living but like this tiny little bit in our timeline of life. And and if, if eternity is forever, and Jesus says there is eternal life, then here we are, you know, making decisions that will affect all of eternity. And we, right now, need to wake up to the things of eternal I was thinking uh, about these things last summer, and there was this guy, uh, I, I knew he was a Christian because he had a, a big a shirt on with a guitar pick, like a picture of a guitar pick, and it said, pick Jesus on it, and I thought that was pretty cool. I've, I've, I've come to realize, and just smile, whenever I see Christian t-shirts, I just smile, it makes my day. So if you have a Christian t-shirt, wear it, I, th- I just smile, I, I, I think it's really cool. And the, the cheesier, the better, it just, it just makes me happy. Um, and so I saw this guy with a big pick Jesus, and, and he was kind of handing out things, and I knew he was going to talk to me. And, and, and sure enough, he did. He said, young man, if you die right now, where do you go after, after you die? And he's like, all right, we're getting right into this. Okay. And I said, I, I quoted almost word for word uh, the Nicene Creed, what we believe. I said, I believe we'll, we'll die and we'll, we'll wait and we will look for the resurrection and we will wait for the life in the world to come. And he said, 
kind of religion is that? <laughs> I said, it's, it's Christian. And he said, no, are you, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And we got into this conversation where it's like, yeah, we're waiting for the resurrection. We're, we're not just going to be off in heaven when we die sitting on the clouds in a very boring state as Huckleberry Finn uh, accuses uh, people of, of thinking. But instead, there is life. And when we partner, when we think of the life of, to come and we are waking up to that reality, then, then that is how we are to live. So this last point is this. Be careful how you live. Paul says this. Be careful how you live. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful how you live. Our, our first son, his Jay, he's, he's here. Um, he's five now. But when he first started walking, uh, we were very overly careful with our firstborn child. It's the, some of those things, that, now we have four boys, and the other day, Max fell off the bed, and I didn't even turn to look. He wasn't crying, so I was like, oh, he fell off the bed. It's fine. <laughs> Just walk it off, kid. But with your first kid, maybe some of you that know this have, have, have more kids, with your first kid, you're so careful. So Jay was learning how to walk, and every chance we could tell him, it's like, careful, Jay, careful, Jay. You're walking a little too close to the curb. Careful, Jay, careful. And we said it so much that he began to just say it to himself. Careful, Jay, careful, Jay. He's walking around, not just careful, Jay. And that is how we are to live, like that kind of thoughtfulness. Like here we are walking and going about life. Be woken up. Be careful how you live. Otherwise, we can get so sleepy in life. We can um, get just put life on cruise control and, and be going about our lives not careful. Here Paul is saying, be careful how you live. He goes on to say, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Live a life of sobriety. Live a life that is woken up. I was thinking about this passage and, 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 and thinking through this sermon for today, and I was driving to Pueblo uh, just on Friday to visit uh, an old friend of mine who is in prison. He's been there for six years. I just found out where he is, and so I went to go visit him. He said he hasn't had a visitor in six years because his family's out of, out of the state. And so I got to visit with him, and I was just thinking through um, uh, on the car ride down, thinking through, like, what am I going to say at this visit? It's, and, and thinking through, like, this is very important. And then it's just how your mind begins to wander. Like, then I started thinking about cheeseburgers. And somehow I was thinking about, like, Rudy's. And then I was thinking about, man, I'm kind of hungry. And then I, just, I was just off in my own little mind. That's just what we do, especially when we're driving. And so I, I wasn't falling asleep by any means at the wheel. But I was just driving along thinking all these things. It started off like, oh, this sermon. I need, to, I need to think through this and being woken up. And I need to think through like what, what, what words of encouragement do I have to say to this friend who hasn't had a visitor in six years and thinking through and then it just got to, to cheeseburgers and Rudy's and I was thinking about uh, like, like the, just stuff. It's what we do when we're driving, right? And in Pueblo, if you've ever driven uh, through Pueblo, that there's a left-hand turn kind of on this bridge right as you're going over the Arkansas River and I guess lots of people have gotten to accidents there so they have rumble strips, not just on the side of the road but right in the middle of the road. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. There's a set of three rumble strips so here I am just thinking about cheeseburger, cheeseburgers. Oh, I'm kind of hungry. And then burn, burn, burn. Like, I was like, oh, help. And I was woken up. And I thought, okay, Lord, I, I need to stay awake here. There's, there's things of grave importance that I'm about to do. I'm about to meet with this friend. And I need to think through this lesson. I need to be woken up. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe that's this message for you. It's like, yeah. We, we can go about life, not, not sleeping, but just being spiritually 
um, kind of on cruise control. After this service, uh, after communion that we're about to take, we're going to have altar ministry up here. And one of the things that they, they are willing to pray with you for is, Lord, get me out of cruise control. Maybe you think you're just on a life path and, and you're doing what you're doing and you're just living not a sleepy life, but just a life of cruise control. Like, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this and shouldn't be doing that, but, you know, it just kind of is how it is and we're going about life. Wake up. Like, we need to be woken up to the things of the Spirit. My wife and I got to pray for a, a young woman this, this week in our house. She was sharing with us with tears how, how her, her husband is just kind of absent in, in their life. They, ha, they have a little girl, and, and she was sharing, you know, like, he works all the time, and, and then he gets jobs on the weekend, and he's, he's always gone. And that's not, you know, that, that just is what it is. And then he says whenever he is home, he's, he's always do, all he does is play video games. And, and then when he's not doing video games, he, he likes to drink. Not a lot, but he does like to drink. And she was just listing all these things. It's like he's really just not around. And none of the things were like, oh, this is this horrible, grievous thing that he's doing. But they're all just you know, just living life like on cruise control. And we prayed over her and then we left and Erica and I had a conversation and we both said, if only this guy would just wake up. Like he, that, aren't we all guilty of that in some way of just going about life and it just is what it is. And Lord, would you wake us up? Lord, do your work inside of us. At the end, as, as I said, we're going to have altar ministry. And, and maybe just one of the prayers you can ask to be prayed over you is, Lord, wake me up and that let, light, that let the light of Christ shine on us. That, that we might just be exposed to the things. You know, we don't really know when we're kind of on cruise control in our mind. We, we don't really even know we're there. Maybe some of you right now, you're kind of asleep. You're kind of dozing. It's like, wake up. Like the, this stuff that, that is being shared here through Paul in this book of Ephesians says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Pray. Lord, as we come before you and and think through the words that Paul is saying here to, to wake up. Lord, we pray that that would be true in our life, that, Lord, you would shine your light on our lives. And if there's anything in our life that, that we have put on cruise control, maybe it is a, a thing of darkness that we need to, to get help with. And, Lord, invite you in to, to get rid of this darkness. But maybe it's, it's, nothing that that's, it's nothing that's horrible in our life. It's just a matter of being on cruise control. It's, it's a matter of not being careful. It's a matter of just staying where we are. Lord, would you shine your light into our life that we might wake up, that we might rise from the dead, that you, Lord, you, Jesus, would, would shine your light upon our lives. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to, uh, as per our tradition, say a prayer in unison together to prepare for communion. This is a prayer of confession. And, and we have all sinned and fallen short. We are all in need of confessing before the Lord our sins. So would you join me in saying these words and praying them with me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. 
that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.